Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for this time together, this opportunity to gather as your children. We ask that we may experience your love and share that love with the world in Jesus' name. Amen. I can almost still feel it. It happened when I was in the eighth grade. And we were all standing in the courtyard getting ready for the bell to ring for school to start. And I saw my friend Sally walking towards me, kind of hurriedly. Morning, Sally. How are you? She walked right up to me and slapped me right in the face. And my first thought was, ow, that really hurt. And my second thought was, what in the world did I do to Sally? As far as I knew, we were friends. I couldn't remember saying anything that would upset her or doing anything that would make her mad. Why was she hitting me? Well, I later found out. I had been talking to someone on the phone the night before, and I was talking about someone named Bobby, and I said, I am a proud member of Bobby's A Jerk Club, which admittedly was not the nicest thing for me to say, but, you know, I was 13. What did I know? But then and I said, and you know something? Sally's a member of that club, too. Well, Sally heard about that phone conversation, and she thought that what I was saying was that she was a jerk as well. But that's not what I was saying. I was saying that she and I were members of the same club because both of us had the same opinion. But what she heard that I said was taken completely out of context, and I ended up with a handprint on the side of my face for an entire day to prove it. Because that's what happens sometimes, right? You say one thing, and it gets taken out of context, and to someone else it means something completely different. I'm sure that's happened to everybody here, right? Anybody who has ever tried to communicate with anyone else ever. I mean, because I know, even if it hasn't happened with your mouth, I know it's happened if you text or email anybody. People will read something or hear about something. They'll hear half the story, but they won't get the whole story, and it upsets them. And they don't know exactly what happened or what was said. This happens to a lot of people. Happens to politicians all the time, doesn't it? Now, I wrote these down because I did not want to misquote them and take them out of context. But here goes. Mitt Romney was, in one of the ads against him, it said that Mitt Romney said that he is not concerned about the very poor. When in reality, what Mitt Romney said was, I'm not concerned about the very poor. There's a safety net there. It needs to be fixed. I'll fix it. And then Paul Ryan was accused of saying that there was a labor shortage in Wisconsin when he actually said that there would be a labor shortage when the baby boomers retire. And then, just so we can be bipartisan on this, Max Bacchus, a Democrat, said that was, was quoted as saying that Obamacare was a huge train wreck when what he actually said was that the education and outreach efforts of Obamacare was a huge train wreck. So all of the things that were quoted were actually said but they take on a completely different meaning when they're in a different context, right? Well, let me tell you, folks, as much as it happened in politics, it probably happens with the Bible even more. I mean, you've all heard the, the phrase, money is the root of all evil, right? The Bible actually says the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Totally different. One is money's evil. The other one is loving money is evil. Make sure I get these right as well. It also says in there, wives be subject to your husband. A lot of, this is the favorite one among all ladies. They love that one. Especially when we leave out the verse that comes right before it that says, be subject to one another at a reference for Christ. But we take it and we put it in a different context, right? And here it is. Where two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst. What are we talking about? Usually we think we're talking about worship, right? Where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in their midst. And, and that's true. But the reality is, in the context that Jesus was speaking, he was talking about conflict resolution. When people were against each other and they came together, he was there in their midst to help resolve the problems. Well, there's another text that is often taken out of context. And that's our second reading for today. One of the most famous chapters in all the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you had this read at your wedding? Just me and my wife? It's, that's it. Well, I can tell you from the weddings that I have done in the last 21 years, it's not just, well, and the Clintons too. Um, well, I guess it would be the Ceases, not just the Clintons or, or the Shirleys. But um, the, the, but so there's two weddings had 1 Corinthians 13, but we all know it, right? Love is patient, love is kind. It's not envious or boastful or jealous or rude. I mean, let's be honest. This is the love chapter. And we love the love chapter because it's probably the most beautiful description of love. It is the most poetic way that it's ever been written throughout the history of time. And so we hear this and it just speaks to us about what the love between two people should look like. Right? And now I don't want to say that it doesn't apply to that because I still think it does. But that's not its original intent. Because, remember, 1 Corinthians is a letter. Now tell me, folks, have you ever gotten a letter? About five of you. Good, okay, more, more hands came up. So, yes. Now, when you read a letter, do you just pick and choose certain parts of the letter to read? No, it would be like this. So, a, a, a letter from a husband to a spouse. It says, I hate to tell you this, it's broken. It can't be fixed. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, there is no way to repair what's been lost. We've used other people to try to fix things, and it still isn't working. As they said, all good things must come to an end, and we have to face it. This is the end. Sounds heartbreaking, doesn't it? Except for the fact that what that letter was about was about someone's grandmother's clock that was broken and couldn't be fixed. But see, when you take this little bit out of context, it means something very different. Well, folks, last Sunday, you may remember, or you may not, that we were reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And since this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, guess what comes right before 13? 12. Y'all are brilliant. Yes, 12 comes right before 13. And it was talking about spiritual gifts. 
and said, you know, the eye cannot say to the hand because you're not an eye, you're not part of the body. And it talks about how many would be prophets and teachers and talks about all the spiritual gifts that we can have. And then it closes off and says, I will show you a still more excellent way. And let me tell you what he goes on to say. It says, and strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The very next sentence, if I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Do you know what this text is about? It's about spiritual gifts and how we're supposed to use them and why we use them. So what we're saying here is he had just finished talking about how one of the spiritual gifts is speaking in tongues. And so what he says is, hey, if you have that gift of speaking in tongues, that's great. But if you don't have love, it's just a bunch of noise. And hey, if you're a prophet... And so you can prophesy so as to remove mountains, but don't have love. It doesn't mean anything. And so what he's saying here is, yes, each of us, each and every one of us has been given specific gifts. Something that makes us special. Something that makes us stand out. But without love, it doesn't mean a thing. I'll give you some examples. Adolf Hitler was an incredible speaker. Would you agree? Even if you don't like what he said, he had the ability to move millions of people, to get them behind him, to inspire them, to do things, horrible things. But he had the gift of speech, and he used it. Bernie Madoff has an incredible mind for business and money. And you know what he did with that mind for business and money? He stole billions of dollars from investors. Charlie Manson could inspire people. He was also a gifted musician. And what he did with those gifts was he inspired people to go out and murder other people. So you see, my friends, having the gifts are one thing. How we use those gifts, however, are of vital importance. Because each of us has gifts. And we can use those gifts in all kinds of different ways. We can use those gifts to make us money. We can use those gifts to make us friends. We can use those gifts to hurt other people. We can use those gifts to save the world. But in the end, how we use them is critical. And the way we use them is with love. That's the key. It doesn't matter if you're the most gifted writer in the world if what you're writing hurts people it doesn't matter if you are the most wonderful seamstress that has ever walked the face of the earth if all you do is sew things for yourself it doesn't matter what you do well if you only do it for you the better way the best way is to love to use your gifts with love. That's how we use them. 
And so it's important for each of us to discover what it is that we've been gifted in. What it is that God has given you to make you different, to make you stand out, to make you special. That's only half of the battle, though. The other part, after you've figured it out, is to figure out how you can use that in love. What you can do to improve the world. What you can do to make a difference in other people's lives. It's our mission here. We share our gifts to show God's love. That's why we share our gifts. It's to show the love of God. And that love that is perfect is also the reason why. Because we are loved with that perfect love. The love that's patient and kind. Not envious or boastful or jealous or rude. That is a love that you and I receive. Because we have a God that loves us no matter what. And gives us gifts regardless of whether or not we deserve them. And therefore, in response, we are called to use those gifts in love. Because that is the more excellent way. And that is what you and I were created to do. Use your gifts to share God's love. Amen.